Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you guys for downloading, streaming, and listening. It is greatly appreciated and good to have you guys on board for another episode. Coming up, we are going to go to the Rainbow in Los Angeles. I do a monthly live show from the Rainbow in L.A. It is for my SiriusXM daily show on volume, and once a month I do it from the patio at the legendary Rainbow We call it the Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion. The most recent one was highlighted by Joe Perry, who came by and joined me on the patio of the Rainbow to talk about Aerosmith, talk about his solo record, and a whole lot more. So that is going to be awesome, and that will be coming up for you guys to hear if you missed it. In just a few, as usual, all of the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast come from my daily show on Sirius XM, Channel 106. The channel is volume The show is Trunk Nation. You can hear me live every day talking rock with you and conducting these interviews from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time with a replay every night, 9 till 11 p.m. Eastern. And uh, that is what you'll be hearing in just a little bit as we get to Joe Perry. So before we get to that, though, I am about to embark on what will be a truly major thing for me in my life, and that is going on tour with a band for an extended period of time. In my 35 years in the business, I have never done that. And at the time that you hear this on post day, I am getting ready to fly to Monterey, Mexico, where I will join Deep Purple for the first night of their tour of Mexico, which again, if you're hearing this on post day, November 8th, will be happening tomorrow in Monterey, November 9th. And it's a pretty remarkable uh, story. I was approached by a promoter there named George Santos and his company, Rock Nation, based in Mexico. Uh, he told me that I have a huge fan base there in Mexico, 
and he wanted to do something special for this final Deep Purple tour of Mexico and asked if I would come out and host all the shows. I'm going to be traveling with the band, flying privately, staying in really nice places, and Deep Purple is going to be doing anywhere from two to three shows a week because they take a number of days off between shows. Listen, I mean, this is an incredible opportunity, an iconic, legendary band, final tour. Uh, Most time I'll spend on the road probably in my life. It comes in just under three weeks, and I'll be doing it through Mexico uh, in a foreign country, you know, and I don't speak Spanish. (laughs) There's going to be a bit of a challenge, but this is going to be fun, and I'm going to be doing... My radio show, my daily show on Sirius XM live from wherever I am. So I'm going to be doing it from conference rooms and from hotels and from venues and whatever, because every day I will still deliver my radio show live from the road. It's going to be a pretty cool thing. And I hope you guys, if you're listening and you listen on the daily show at Sirius XM, uh, you'll be able to come along with me. And I will, of course, bring you podcasts as well. Uh, new episodes. So everything will pretty much, the beauty of technology, I should be able to do everything from the road still, but it's going to be a, an adventure and I will be embarking on it. Well, at the time you hear this in a matter of hours. So it should be a lot of fun. Just came back from a great adventure in Houston, had a chance to host one of the final dates of the Sirius XM hair nation tour with Jack Russell's great white bullet boys and enough's enough. Great time. That tour is now concluded And I'll tell you, the people that did come out to it were really enthusiastic and really into it. And I had a blast hosting five shows on that. And we'll see what happens with that going forward. Saturday, I hosted Kicks in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom. That was a blast. Kicks, always fun to see. Great live band. Great old friends as well. A very enthusiastic crowd there at the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. As usual, Kick celebrating the 30th anniversary of Blow My Fuse by playing it in its entirety. And that was great fun. And then Sunday, a big surprise of this past week, I was at a brewery called the Carbach Brewery, uh, Carbach Brewing Company in Houston. And I got to be honest, you know, when I'm approached about hosting these gigs and these appearances, sometimes they're, you know, you don't know what you're going into. Some of them are good. Some of them not so good. This thing was great. It was a great setting, a great facility, a beautiful, massive craft brewery with a restaurant attached, really high end and really nice spot. People that ran it were super great to me. And they put together a very eclectic lineup of bands that turned out to work. There were a couple thousand people there. It was outside. It was beautiful. They had they had Sweet, who I hadn't seen with this version of the band in a long time. So many great songs from them. And then um, April Wine, who I hadn't seen in like 30 years, was a huge fan of them back in the day, and they still sounded real good. And then the night closed with Wolf Mother, who I know they've been around for a while, but man, did they kick ass. I don't know if I ever saw them live and they came out, you know, guitar, bass, drums, just power trio, Andrew Stockdale just ripping. And that was also just awesome. So really great event there, Carbach Brewing Company. They do that yearly. I hope to be a part of it every year. Really great time there in Houston. So big weekend that I'm coming off of. Uh, saw the Queen movie. Highly recommended. I thought it was great. I know some people are having an issue with it because of the you know, it's not really factual. Some of the things are not the way they were. The timeline is off. Look, nobody ever told you the thing was a documentary. 
Hollywood, you knew, was going to take some liberties. But I thought in terms of the way it was done, the acting, the performances, the music, I thought it was phenomenal. And I was really happy to see it have done has uh, done so well. So that was something else I got in over the weekend that was great. If you listen to my show every day on the radio, we've discussed a lot of this stuff in great detail. So next up for me is all of this time in Mexico, and then on the other side of it, getting ready to shoot another episode of Trunk Fest. I'm back in uh, in Tulsa on December 8th to host LA Guns at the IDL. I've got a bunch of other things cooking. I'm in Florida December 10th to host a Generation Act show with Steve Vai, Zach Wild, Ingve. So there's tons going on right up until the holidays and I will uh, hopefully get a break and some time home around Christmas and New Year's. We'll see. <laughs> Schedule has been unbelievably hectic and busy, but it is good to be busy and uh, appreciate you guys coming along with me for the ride. So, again, uh, follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk. That's where I am most active. I'll keep you updated with everything going on. There's also an Instagram and a Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. And, of course, uh, you can always hit me, eddietrunk.com, my official online home. Some folks ordered copies, signed copies of my books recently. If you were one of those people, my apologies. I ran out of stock, and now I'm getting ready to go out of the country for a few weeks. So it's going to be a bit of a delay to get you your signed books, but I got your orders. I will process them ASAP. You can order books if you want signed copies. Just hit the Books tab on eddietrunk.com. All my appearances are there on the homepage as well. So coming up again, we take you to the patio of the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Once a month, I do my daily radio show live on Sirius XM from there. John Five sat in for me on the entire show. Joe Perry came by. Gilby Clark came by. Wendy Dio came by. Former extreme drummer who now manages Joe Perry. Paul Geary came by. I don't know how many of that, how much of that. Katie left in the show. We did have to edit this down for time just a little bit, but the most of the Joe Perry stuff was obviously kept intact. So um, you may hear from some of the other people. You may not, but the bulk of the Joe Perry interview is included in the podcast. So that's what we have for you this week. Hope you enjoy it. I think you will. It was, uh, you know, look, it's, as a massive Aerosmith fan, a tremendous honor to be joined by Joe Perry and get to know him over the decades and have done a lot of things with him and the band and the fact that he was willing to come out and hang at the Rainbow. And Joe had a great time. After the interview you're about to hear, he's been in touch with me since, asking about, you know, how often I'm out there and, and all that. He stays, my understanding is he stays at Johnny Depp's house. And it's a stone's throw from where we were here when you hear this at the Rainbow. And the other thing is, you know, the Hollywood Vampires, which Joe Perry is in with Johnny Depp and, of course, Alice Cooper, they were formed and that whole thing was done and conceived at the Rainbow. It was a drinking club at the Rainbow. So hopefully when their next record comes out, we can do something like this once again at the Rainbow with those guys involved and that would be pretty cool, too, since it was originated right there in that place. Keep you posted on that and, of course, everything going on on the social media as we go. So next week, I'll be talking to you from Mexico and the Deep Purple Tour. And that's next week's, you know, we'll see what we, you know, grab some audio with those guys, too, and hopefully bring them to you on the podcast also. But this week, Joe Perry, John Five sitting in with me, my feature guest on the Eddie Trunk Podcast coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. Muscle cramps, they can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. It's happened to me. Trust me, folks. I know. Listen carefully because I recently learned about TheraWorks Relief. It's a non-greasy foam. It's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they even start. So you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it works. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief, and many of my colleagues on radio are also talking about TheraWorks Relief. Now the holiday season is around the corner, so you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It's a great choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it your choice. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. Hey, this is Kelty Knight from Lady Gang. Hey, it's Steve Austin from the Steve Austin Show. This is Heather Dubrow from Heather Dubrow's World. Hey, this is Rob Riggle. And Sarah Tiana from Riggle's Picks. This is Caitlin Bristow from Off the Vine on Podcast One. This Veterans Day, I'd like to give a special thanks to all those who've served in the armed forces. From the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, and the Reserves. Because of your bravery, we can live without fear. Because of your valor, we can soar into the bright future. Because of your sacrifice, we don't have to sacrifice the liberties that we hold so dear. We could not do it without you. Thank you again for your service, and all of us at Podcast One hope you enjoy a safe holiday weekend. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. We go to the Rainbow Bar and Grill. This interview originated on my Sirius XM show, which is heard daily on Channel 106 volume from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time live. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and it's available anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. But as usual, you get a little taste of what goes on on that show here on the podcast. And this was a great one from the Rainbow in L.A., Joe Perry of Aerosmith, John Five, and more. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who is attached to every single record you've probably heard in the last 10 years in the world of rock, Mr. John Five. I want that to be my new sign on. Hello. We got some John Five shirts in the house already. Of course, you're the only guest we announced in advance. That's right. So the rest is going to be a big secret. But we have a mega, mega guest coming uh, shortly. Uh, we look at the run. John was just saying this to me off the air. He's like, every time you come here, look at the guests you have. Yeah. It started with Slash and Tom Morello a couple right. months ago, our first one. The last one, we had Steve Vai and Sebastian Bach here and a host of others who all dropped by. And this time... Roger, when can I say who the person is? When they walk in, or can I say now? Not yet. yet? When they walk in. Eric's saying when they walk in. All right, so we're playing the mystery guest angle, but, well, how many things can I tell you about our mystery guest beyond the fact that... Well, when they they walk this way in. Yeah. J5, 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 in the house. J5 in the house. (laughs) Let's just say there's going to be a lot of sweet emotion when this guest shows up. Right, that's right. 
Loving an elevator. Now, we're not saying anything because we don't know, but I mean, we're not, I mean, you know. Yeah, you're right. When, I, when John picked me up at, the, at my hotel, I did see some love in the elevator going that's on. That's right. That's right. See? <laughs> you know, somebody in the back is going, oh, my God. Wait until you find out we're really having Vinnie Vincent on. It was really going to happen. I'd be psyched. <laughs> With me, too. <laughs> John and I would love that as well. That's right. So John 5, let me tell you guys, and I'm not even exaggerating this. John is like the, the Forrest Gump of rock music or something because there's nothing, or nobody that I talk to that has not had some work done with John 5 in terms of music. And you told me something off the air that can't be revealed yet, but something major you did recently. But just like the other day, I had Steve Perry on, who has made his big comeback, not the other day, but a month or so, two months ago. And I'm talking to Steve, and I'm like, hey, so who's the people you worked with on this record? And, he, and he's running down to the and he goes, and, and John 5? I mean, dude, yeah. everybody you, you write with, play with, record with, it's amazing. How did the Steve Perry thing happen? How, did, how long have you known him? I've known him for quite a while. It's a, a funny story. Um, our agent, John Dittmar, with, with Rob Zombie, he uh, was like, oh, you know, I'm really close to Steve Perry, and, and he wants to write with you. And I was like, great. And so... You know, we, we were talking and we got together and we, you know, he's such an awesome guy, super funny. And I was like, Steve, come to Long Beach. We're playing. It's, I think it was Zombie and Anthrax on Halloween, like, you know, a zillion Steve years Steve Perry ago. was at a Rob Zombie Anthrax show? So he comes to the show and he was not into it. He was like. <laughs> I would kind of not be surprised like, by that. Ah, you know, it was all crazy and stuff. And he was like, oh, my God, like all the people are moshing and going crazy. And but he didn't say he wasn't into it. But I don't I he was don't being think. nice. Yeah, I don't. Wait, did you say Anthrax was on the show? Yes. Did, this... jo- did Joey Belladonna know that Steve Perry was there? No, he was. He in worships our yeah, yeah, Steve yeah, yeah, Perry. Yeah. He wouldn't have been able to play if he knew he was in the building. Yeah. But uh, Steve is such an awesome guy, man. I mean, this guy. And I was this far away from him when he was singing, and the voice was perfect. I mean, it was perfect. So you wrote how much on this new record? I wrote a few songs, but I think uh, the song Sunshine's Gray is the one that got on there. And it's, it's phenomenal. And he would warm up with some Journey songs. Like, we would warm really? up. And, I mean, it was, it was weird. It was, it was like, you know, you were listening uh, unplugged or something. And I was like, hey, wait a minute, I'm playing this. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we got a lot of guests coming in. John is in the co-host capacity. But here at the top, I want to make sure you get your stuff out. You got a lot of things going on, both with Rob Zombie, who just was announced on the OzFest yeah. happening here in L.A., and also your own band, The Creatures, you're getting ready to go out and tour. So give everybody the update in your yeah, world. Yeah, I start, uh, we start Halloween night in, uh, in, let's see, where are we, in Illinois. And then we go all through, like, you know, Michigan and Tennessee. I love Tennessee, Atlanta. We're going to end here at, at the um, Anaheim. At, it's going to be. And that's not, your own band. That's The Creatures. Yeah. And we're, in Anaheim, we're going to be playing with uh, Chevy Metal. Uh, Oh, I know. Yeah, I Taylor and Brent yeah. and all those guys. Yeah, I love it. It's it's going to be a blast at Designer Con. It's going to be totally crazy. Yeah, and for people, I don't know. Has everybody here seen the creatures John Five's band outside of Rob Zombie? Because it's insane. You got to see it. It's a trio. It's all instrumental. It's perfect for Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's uh, you know we do all sorts of different styles of music, and it's it's totally insane. So it's it's um, like a instrumental halloween show it's crazy it's really it's it's a blast and then john does this thing where he it just calls it the medley 
where he'll go and play like 10 minutes of every riff from every great rock song in one big 10-minute chunk. <laughs> and it's everything from Rage Against the Machine to Michael Jackson yeah. to whatever. You, know, you even played A Little I Was Made for Loving You. Yeah, everything. As a guitar shred. Everything. We should put some, uh, some journey in there this time. Yeah. Funny Steve Perry. Uh, this is, I know there's a lot of people listening to stuff, but this is... Like this story that just sticks in my head. I was working with him, and he works for a long time. We'll be working for like three or four hours, and we're super close to each other. We're like two two inches away, and I never had to fart that <laughs> so bad in my life. And we were working for so long, and I was like, oh, my God. Couldn't you walk out and see you go to the bathroom or something? I couldn't because we were in this small, confined space. <laughs> And you know I don't want to be like and it I'll you, never you my whole Steve life Perry? No 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 my whole life I'll never forget that was the worst that I ever had to fart And did you let it go finally I had to let it go when I left and it, it was like it, the worst <laughs> Uh, but think of the great story if you could have been sitting here saying that you crop dusted Steve Perry. Yeah, but could you imagine if he was like, that guy smells or something. I'm never having him back. <laughs> we should also mention you are going to be on with uh, John Five and the Creatures. You're going to be on the Mega Cruise with Megadeth. Oh, and I can't wait. All, they announced Overkill today, all these great bands. That's yeah. like Not till like a year from now, but it's going on sale soon. That's Sailing right. from here from the West Coast. That's right. And I'm, I'm going to do a little picking and grinning over there. It's have you be played fun. cruises before? Oh, God, no. I get so seasick. Are you serious? I get seasick in the bathtub. I'm like, geez, Louise. So how are you going to handle that? I don't know. You're going to have to come snuggle with me in my cabin? And I'll hold you, John? Well, that's what I'm going to do anyways. <laughs> Hope I don't have to fart. Whisper kiss lyrics in my ear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, what, and zombie uh, just uh, dates here and there? What's going on with zombie? Zombie dates, we are, um, we just... Um, God, we, we're going to do some Europe dates next year. Obviously, New Year's Eve here. It's going to be a blast. And I'm telling you, best zombie record coming up. It's coming next year. Best one he's ever done. That's saying something. I'm telling you, it is. But it's, I know you. I know you don't always talk like you don't talk like that. No, I really never do. It, so. I never do. This is this is the one that you know. This is his Sergeant Pepper for sure. Wow. Let me ask you about this. Here we are in in Los Angeles at the Rainbow, an iconic spot. You, of course are originally from Michigan. Yes. How long have you lived in Southern California? I have lived here since 88, so a long time. And this place was a madhouse. I'm telling you, it was crazy here. It was so tell me, tell me about a young John Five packing his bags, ser- searching for rock music stardom, moving to Los Angeles, chasing the dream. Yeah. And then when was the first time you, you remember the first time you stepped foot in this place? Well, the f- how I came out here, I came out with Chuck Bueller from Megadeth, the drummer. From so far, so good, so what? And so we drove out here, and we and I stayed in, like, this office, his friends or something, and I got all my money stolen, like, the first night I was here. Oh, all right, here's that's real L.A. with the motorcycles. We are right on the Sunset Strip, folks, so yeah. So uh, I got all my money stolen, and so I just had zero money, and so I got a job working at Penguin's Frozen Yogurt, and, uh, and then I was parking cars and all that stuff for celebrity parties. And I would take the celebrity cars, no joke, and I would come to the Rainbow. And I'd be like in someone's Porsche, and they'd be like, who's this guy? And I'd be like in Don Henley's Porsche or Lionel Oh, so you rolled up like that was your car. Exactly. To show the whole look at me. Yeah, yeah. Because they were in a party for like three hours, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be pimping. (laughs) 
Yeah, true story. <laughs> I'm just thinking I had to park my car with the valet at the airport when I came here because the lot was full. Right. I'm just, I have visions of that guy tooling around Newark, New Jersey oh, yeah. right now with my Mustang. It's just like, Ferris said, Bueller's, like you doing it. Yeah. yeah, like Ferris Bueller when they, you know, drove around. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll come right back with more with Joe Perry and guests from the Rainbow in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, I've been telling you about Pluto TV. It's pretty amazing. It's the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back to more with Joe Perry, John Five, and the rest of the gang. Live from the Rainbow in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to welcome to the stage here at the Rainbow, from Aerosmith, Joe fucking Perry. Thank you for coming, Joe Perry, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was saying during the break that I used to try to, like, for, for real, there was a time, and I have the photo, where I actually tried to go for Joe Perry's hair. Now, of course, I hardly have any left. But Joe, look, like Joe still got the whole, every lock you ever had when you were a kid, man. That's unbelievable. I don't know if that's exactly true, but it's... It looks pretty, it looks pretty darn cool. You know, it is what God gave me, and that's it. Man. What can I do? Uh, how are you, man? You good? I'm well, thanks. You living out here now? Uh, off and on. I mean, spending a lot of time out here. Yeah. And and uh, you, what what initially brought you here? You were doing stuff with the vampires here, with with Johnny and everything. Well, I was uh, kind of halfway through the book. You know, the book I wrote a few years ago. Right. And uh, um, the ghostwriter, my my co-writer, was uh, living out here. And uh, right around that time, Johnny said, uh, you know. Uh, it, you want to you want to do a new solo record, and I really hadn't thought about it, but he said, you know, it might be different if you did it out here for a change or that kind of thing. So he just said, uh, come on down and uh, maybe maybe stay by the house and um, use the studio. So that kind of uh, gave me a place to hang, you know, other than the Sunset Marquee, which I dearly love, but you know, I'd already been there for two months, so I was ready to to move. So. And the weather's a little nicer out here around this time of year than on the East Coast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, definitely. It's, uh, it's warmer. 
There's a lot to talk about, of course, with you. You have a you have solo dates coming up. You mentioned the solo record, Switzerland Manifesto, which we'll talk about. Aerosmith doing a residency in Vegas. There's a lot to cover. And of course the Hollywood Vampires who you play in with Johnny Depp. But you know, I'm curious because I remember it was maybe like five, six years ago, Aerosmith played the Hollywood Bowl and the after party was here on sunset at uh, I think the Pink Taco. And I walked in and I was waiting for you to show up and Johnny Depp was there. And that was the first time I remember you and him, or me seeing him around the band or around you. Was that the first time you met him, or do you have a lot of history with him before that? No, not off. I don't think so. I mean, I think we hooked up before that. He came down to go uh, the uh, down to the studio on La Brea where we were working on the last Aerosmith record to to visit, and I bumped into him once or twice, but really never had a chance to talk to him. Um, we were in France, and we were staying at the same hotel. We ran into each other in the elevator, but that was really the first time I had a chance to, you know, talk with him and talk about guitars and stuff. He's friends with Jack Douglas, so, you know, kind of that, that kind of closed the circle. And then after that, we got to be fast friends, you know, hanging out and, uh, and working at the studio. So, I mean, everybody knows about his abilities as an, an actor, of course, but... From your perspective as a guitar player and him as a musician and playing with him in Hollywood Vampires, what what's his uh, wh- where do you what, what how do you see him as a musician as a, and as a player? I think he's he's really um, he covers a lot of ground. You know, the first uh, first time um, I mean I've been a fan of his for a long you know ever since I saw him, his first uh, movie that I don't know was one of the one of those early ones and you know. It's, Thought you know, there's a cat that can you know give it up, and uh, but I saw him play uh, a, uh, a river gypsy on uh, that movie Chocolate, and he played some Django Reinhardt stuff on the on the uh, acoustic guitar. It was like an F hole, uh, you know, one of those old yeah. Gibson F hole guitars, yeah. and uh, you know, and he was playing some pretty cool stuff, and I was going, wow, he's the real deal. I mean, you can tell when. When they're they're faking it with the piano players or you know violinists that, that really can't play, they make it look look close, but you can really tell if they're really not playing. But I could tell he was, you know, he had he had some chops, and I, I said someday if I get to meet this guy, I'm gonna, you know, pick his brain about that. And um, sure enough, you know, a few years went by, and uh, we got a chance to talk about it, and he showed me some of that stuff that he was doing, and. Uh, and he he plays. He's a, he's a really versatile player. But his main thing is that he thinks of, he's a, he's also a, a really uh, really talented songwriter. And his his lyrics are, are you know he really is deeply into the lyrics. And uh, so it's it's really fascinating to watch him work in the studio as well as it is to play live because he just he just wants to get out there and and you know be one of the guys in the band and. And you know, um, you know, people ask me that all the time, and I just have to say that you know, Alice and I have been in a lot of bands and played with a lot of people, and I don't think we would be with a, in a band with with anybody that couldn't cut it. And you know, it should be obvious if Johnny's in the band, you know, and that he's he's holding his own more than holding his own. I mean, he's really he's really good. I I remember in 
Manson, you know, like in 2000, um, you know, Manson and Johnny were Right, because really you played with, Ma- John played with Marilyn Manson for years, of course. And, and Johnny was around, and she'd pick up the guitar, and I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, you're a great guitar player. And I was just like, you know, shocked, you know, and, and you know, he's, he's uh, super, super talented. I was so surprised how versatile he was. Uh, you know, we're talking about, we're sitting here at the Rainbow, and Joe, we're going to talk about everything. I want to get to your solo record. you got dates coming up. But he, here we are at the Rainbow, and Alice Cooper told me that the whole idea for the Hollywood Vampires was born right here. As a matter of fact, right above in the annex up here, the, the initial concept was that there was a drinking group here called the, that Alice called the Hollywood Vampires, and the first record was a tribute to all of those guys who unfortunately are all dead. Alice would say during the press for it, it was a tribute to my drunk dead friends. And ironically, you know, Alice is the one guy thankfully still with us from that group. But here, right here in the rainbow, if you go up in that annex, you'll see the, the sign where they carved their names in the wall. Joe, how did you get tied in? Because you weren't part of that group back then, were you? Uh, we, we started hanging out here, um, I don't know, in the... Uh, say 72, 73, you know. We, we when Aerosmith first came to L.A.? The tail, tail end of that. So um, Alice was here in, in the late 60s, so a lot changed in that in that time. I mean, this place has never stopped rocking. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's probably been a thousand drinking clubs coming out of here. <laughs> Amongst I mean, other things. Even, even when I was with my, you know, I, I had split, split, split Aerosmith and, and I used to come down here and hang out whenever I was in L.A., you know, in the 80s. So it's always been been the place, you know, and uh, the pizza has gotten better. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and the, the, the bathroom, uh, I can still, I haven't been in there in a while, but I can still picture it. But That, uh, that has not gotten better. <laughs> that is still. No, they remodeled the bathroom. <laughs> no, the bathroom's nicer kidding, now. A little, little, little humor, oh, okay. Ed. A little I, humor. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, you don't pay much attention to the art on the walls in, the, in those bathrooms. But anyway. Um, but your picture's up in there still above one of the booths. Is it really? Oh, Oh, yeah, from around probably around the pump period, but there's a great shot of you still in there. When was the last time you were actually here at the Rainbow? You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was a while ago. I can't remember, frankly. Um, but, know. but you, you know, I was talking, you know, Gilby uh, originally comes from Ohio. John originally comes from Michigan. These guys live here full-time, relocated, chasing the dream. You, of course, you know, Boston. When, when uh, what is your memory of first coming to Southern California and coming through this area. Do, do you remember the first Aerosmith tour through here? Yeah. Um, we were here for one day, and I remember at the end of the day, Tom had been arrested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, they took him away in handcuffs. I guess he, you know, there was some, some. I mean, you know, every, every state has different, like, turn right on red, that kind of stuff, and, you know. Him driving around looking like a hippie, you know. I mean, they nabbed him right away, and uh, everybody kind of, you know, managed to make it through the first day. And uh, and then, but it was really exciting for us to play at the whiskey. I think about five people showed up, but it was the whiskey, man. You know, I mean, it's, come on, it's like there's so much history. And so then, uh, and and you know, these the, here, the Roxy and the and, and the Rainbow uh, the, and the whiskey were like, you know. There's such iconic places to anybody into into our kind of music, you know, and have been and has been, and I hope 
keeps on going. So you know, the only thing that has disappeared is uh, Gazzari's. Yeah, Gazzari's is that, gone. Yeah. I never got in there either. I mean, I, but I remember seeing it all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it was the place. Was Aerosmith as a as an East Coast band uh, coming here for the first time to LA? Were the, were you well received initially on the first tour? Or was it art? Well, as far as like with I the said, like the five people in the audience received oh, right. us and well. It was lean, you know. It was, uh, but they I mean, they were happy to see us and knew our knew our stuff. But it was a it was a building thing. I mean, at that point, we were still taking over the country um, area by area. You know, we we went from Boston to Detroit to to uh, Ohio, and then kind of uh, then then all the Midwest, and then we started heading to the West Coast, and that was it. And uh, you know. Starting, starting here with the whiskey. Well, more I want to talk about with Aerosmith because, of course, you got the the uh, Vegas residency coming up, which we'll get into. Want to talk about your solo tour and solo record? But I just want to button up stuff on the Hollywood Vampire since we were on that and talking about that. When did you first meet Alice Cooper? What well, that had to be way far back in the day, right? Did you have a lot of history with him, or is that more of a recent thing? Um, I've known Alice for. Jesus, I met him a few times before the 80s and uh you know just just in passing just being on the road we were all on the road back then everybody everybody knew everybody at least through the road they may not be you know like you know know the names of your kids and all that stuff if you had kids back then but uh um the first time i really got to know him was when i was it was in like 83 and i was trying to do something a little different than, than doing another solo record, another solo tour. And uh, and Shep Gordon offered us his house in upstate New York and it said, you want to like write some songs with Alice? And that was the first time we actually spent with, with Alice. I got to know him and he was even, I mean, he was a really fascinating guy. I mean, he's... he's and at that time, you know, probably a very different guy because now, of course, he's... He's sober and a, and a different guy, yeah. but back then he was anything but. Well, no, at that point he had already he had gotten sober and uh, he was getting up at six in the morning to go oh, and play golf, which that hasn't <laughs> Still changed. Still does. I mean, he, nothing's changed there. I mean, he, I remember I remember press pictures of him being in the front golf cart, dressed like Alice, and then the next golf cart was all full of Budweiser, and that was like <laughs> so. It, it goes on. Be, way back before he got sober but the point is is that you know we got a chance to to hang out and we had some really spooky times up at that house because it was an old house and there were ghosts and haunted <laughs> and it was a very very freaky time uh and anyway but i've known alice for uh, since then so um it was just uh, another one of those things when johnny did uh uh the uh that the vampire movie, you know, with Alice, they got close, and then they were recording, and Johnny called me up and said, "Do you want to come down and put some guitars on this record?" And that was the first that was the first Vampires record, and it was like, of course, you know. So that's what started it, and then we started talking about going on the road, and that, that's what got the the Vampires in its present state what it's doing you know i'm just thinking about it you play in a, you know of course you've got steven tyler who's i think 71 
who to this date is the, still the best frontman singer we have alive today, even at that age. Remarkable. And then you're with Alice Cooper in another band who's right there as well. <laughs> it's just like you, you just happen to find two guys that I think found the eternal really fountain of youth <laughs> yeah. as singers. It's, it, it, are you pretty amazed at what Alice can still do and the energy he still has at this point in his life with what he's been through? He's a phenomenal guy, i got to say. I mean, he'll... And he's, he's so, so chill, man. You know, I mean, he lives by the Hellman's Law, which is keep cool, don't freeze. You know, um, and it's like um, we did a gig. We did a gig at the at the um, um, at the NAMM show a couple of years ago, and as it turned out, all the all the all the cats and the vampires were on stage together at the uh, Duesenberg thing, and we only knew fifteen songs, you know, at that point, or that's what was in the teleprompter or the lyrics or whatever. So we got to the end, and all the fans were going, you know, like asking for one more. And he just turned to me and said, "Listen, why don't you take over? Uh, you know, I don't know, any, I don't know any more songs. There's nothing up on the teleprompter. I'm going to split." So we did an instrumental version of "Walk This Way," and it was. But the point is, is I've never. He was so cool about it. It's so rare for a lead singer to just go. Ah, here you take it. You know that kind of thing. It, and he's just such a great guy. And he's but I'll, he's he, he hears everything. I mean, if he hears something that's not happening right, he he, he points it out. He nails it, and everybody's right there. But he's he's certainly he, there's none of that drama around him. He knows what he what he wants. And he, he gives it up, man. He's incredible. He really is incredible. And you have a new record close to completion with the vampires, or is it done? I mean, Alice told me a little something about it, that it's going to be all original music this time. What, what can you tell us about the next record? Well, I think there, it, it may be two covers on it. Um, I do a song with uh, like a Johnny Thunder song on it. Uh, you Can't Wrap Your Arms Around a Memory. Oh, great song. And uh, Johnny does Heroes on that and the rest are all original and we're just mixing it now so it's, it is done and uh, um, I don't know we're trying to figure out when to when to bring it out because we're hoping to be able to go on the road with it uh, sometime in May but uh, it's it's really this, the struggle with the vampires is everybody's got other, other jobs that we've got to kind of balance it out with you know right I mean you, you've got Aerosmith stuff coming Alice is always out there doing his stuff and um it's you. You have uh, the rest of the band because there's been some changes to the band. So, so Glenn Sobel's playing drums, right? And Chris uh, Wise is on I, bass. Uh, Chris is on bass, and uh, the Vampires are my band. No, and the Vampires. The Vampires. Uh, Glenn's playing. Glenn, Glenn's yeah. on drums, and of course yeah. Tommy Hendrickson is still there yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. So, so it's a killer band, and this record you hope to get out sometime next year, and just being able between Johnny's schedule, I'm sure with movies and. You, what you got coming and what Alice does, yeah. Finding those windows is the challenge. Yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, I wish we could, you know, just go out there and do it as just as a band. But it's like it's, you know, I mean, it's Johnny's got his thing, man, and it's uh, and and Alice is always doing other things besides even touring on his own. And I have to deal with the Aerosmith thing. You know, so, the deal. Uh, I deal, could deal, deal with, with the Aerosmith thing. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, Joe, after 50 years, I got to deal with it. <laughs> it. It keeps me in guitars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, well, Ed, real quick. Yeah, go ahead, John. 
Do you can you name the original? This is a little stump the trunk that. Oh yeah, what are you doing to me? The original uh, vampires. Hollywood family. The original band? No. Can you name who? who the, oh, the, up the there group, in the, the yeah. annex. Yeah. Well, I definitely know it's John Lennon. Yep. I know obviously Alice. Alice. I know Harry Nielsen yes. was part of it. Very good. That's what no one remembers that. Movie. Harry Nielsen. Yeah. There's one more. There's a documentary on Harry Nielsen that's incredible. It's unbelievable. Actually. And there's one, one more. more? Yeah, one yeah. more. There's one more. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, it's the biggest party. Jimmy or Page. Party. No. No. Hey, hey, weather. <laughs> Who? Mickey Dolans. Mickey Dolans? Yeah, but yeah. there was another one. Oh, no. Oh, there oh, is. There was was like it Jimmy Page? Keith Moon. Keith Moon. Well, Keith Moon. Oh, Keith Moon. That's right. That's, That's who I was thinking right. of when you were saying That's one right. more. Yeah, so. Mickey Dolans was there. Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, in yeah. your partying days, who was the craziest person you ever partied with? <laughs> oh, God. Um, was it, did you party with Keith Moon? You know, I never, I, I I never met him. If he did, he, he wouldn't remember that. <laughs> no. I, no, I guess, you know, there is that point, but no. Um <laughs> you know, um, no, I, uh, Jesus, I don't know. There's, it's like a lot of it's a haze. But I got to <laughs> tell you one thing: we looked down down at, in uh, um, at Sony, which is was Columbia back then. We were looking at some at some pictures. Uh, they have like in the archives from the seventies. I was going through all the stuff, looking for stuff for uh, for content for certain things, maybe even for the. For the uh, Vegas, the uh, the Vegas show, uh, and we were looking at some of the some of the uh, uh, outtakes from from some of the parties. I know that we did a, uh, the Columbia threw a party for us um, after our first Madison Square Garden sellout, and it was a party. And it was a, Stephen standing there with uh, Linda Blair. And uh, I forget who the president of, of the label was, but there, you know, it was a picture of them. But right to, off to the side, uh, with a beer in his hand and uh, chatting up uh, some uh, young young girl, was this kind of a blonde-looking guy with a look, you know, with a kind of loose tie, and uh, just looking, you know, kind of natural. And I, I swear, it's it's Donald Trump. <laughs> For real, yeah, and, and you know, because I'm looking at all That's the awesome. everybody in the picture, and in the background, I swear we looked at, him. and then we and we we looked up on 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 the computer of pictures of him from that era, you know, like seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, wow. man, and it looks just like him, and I'm just dying to to like. Show him that picture and say, "Is that you?" You know, I mean, someday I'm I think get I think he's probably a little over pictures coming out of him chatting up girls. <laughs> that is <laughs> fake news. You That's just, fake news. Just kind of relaxed and, and just 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 you know had a, a beer in his hand and that was it. Nothing out of the ordinary, right, you know. Right, sure. Nothing uh, scandalous, but I gotta th- I gotta think it would be him. It would be the right time, you know, in the right place too. Yeah. Well, having read Joe's book that he mentioned earlier. Maybe the question should be reversed because I'm sure a lot of people would say the craziest person they maybe partied with back in the day was you. So maybe you were the one that set the standard. Yeah, well, you'd have to talk to some of the guys in the road crew about that. <laughs> they were the ones that would come back and try and sweep it up. You know? the, the, well, everybody always says in bands the road crews are the craziest oh, always. guys. They better be. The road crews are always the craziest oh. guys. We all love Aerosmith. The great Joe Perry is here. And I, I love all the work Joe's done, including... The Joe Perry Project Records, which, oh my gosh, and let the music do the talking, is one of my favorite. I listen to it still 
to this day, The Mist is Rising, and oh, great stuff. And including Gene Simmons' solo album. Well, of course, John being a, John being a, a Kiss super fan as well, as soon as he sat down, he goes, I just got to talk to Joe about playing on Gene's 78 solo record. <laughs> Joe, do you have any memory of doing that? Do, can you, do you recall playing on 40 years ago? I think it was Living in Sin at the Holiday Inn. Well, <laughs> that's genius. I heard that, in, I heard that, that, that the guys in Kiss were all doing solo records, and they were all just going to go off and do their own thing. And, and I got a call from Gene. We were out here doing something, and I got a call from Gene, and he said, come on over to the house. Want to play a couple of tracks? I'd like you to play on it. And it was, you know, we're we're buddies. I mean, we, us and Kiss were like, you know, we kind of came up side by side and all that. So we were friends. And so I said, all right, we'll come over. And it was he was actually at Ed Shear's house, and it was like <laughs> nine o'clock at night, and they were um, they were in their pajamas in bed, <laughs> which you know I, I had changed out of my pajamas to come over, and. Uh, and he played me a couple of tracks, and, you know, Cher was very quiet and very, very, actually stunningly beautiful, at, you know, at, at that hour, and as she always is. And uh, and he played, played me, she didn't say much, but, you know, we, he played me these songs. So anyway, we went down to Cherokee the next couple of days, and somebody in the, in the, uh, in the lounge, this wild-looking cat that, that um, I'd heard a lot about and loved his music and his band uh, named Rick Nielsen was sitting there like warming up and finally we got to meet and, and hang out because he was he was in line. I think Gene had every guitar yeah, player. He had Lassie on his Every drummer, record. everybody on Gene had record. Lassie on his record, Joe. For real, yeah, Lassie everybody, the dog. Everybody. Lassie is on the record. So it was, it was great because I, not only did I get to, to, to blow on a, on a you know, on a, a cool rock and roll song from from Gene's record, but the main thing was I got to meet uh, Rick Nielsen, who's been a, a very dear friend over all these years. Yeah, and still a great band, Cheap Trick, still so amazing. All right, now, Joe has a record out that is called Sweetsterland Manifesto, which we're going to talk about a little bit in this segment, but I find this interesting because the guy who is now managing Joe Perry is sitting to my left, and his name is Paul Geary. And anybody that's a fan of the band Extreme knows Paul was the drummer in Extreme on all of those classic records. And over the recent years, had a very you have a very successful management company. But, Paul, it's got to be surreal for you being a Boston guy in a band that I'm sure grew up worshipping Aerosmith that you find yourself managing Joe Perry. How the hell did that happen, man? Yeah, really, it's beyond belief. I mean, I'm, I'm still uh, in awe of the whole thing. And... You know, our story is is really cool one as it comes to Aerosmith because back in the day, in the seventies, growing up in Boston, is that? Uh, I think we're good. Yeah, growing up in Boston, of course, I, I was a, an Aerosmith nut. I mean, in the early days of those uh, amazing records, I mean, Get Your Wings and Toys in the Attic, and then finally Rocks came, and it just seemed to get better and better. The Rocks album was just, you know, to this day. I think is right up there in the few best rock records of all time. Couldn't agree you know? more, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and funny enough, uh, it was, I think it was 78, uh, I saw him at the Boston Garden. It was the first show I'd ever seen by anybody, and I was way up in the, uh, I was way up in the cheap seats, you know, and, and I just caught the end of Rick Derringer. Oh, uh, he had one of my put out... Uh, I love Rick Derringer. Yeah, yeah was it, uh, <laughs> what was... Rock and roll hoochie coo. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. that was a big rock and roll hoochie coo. 
<laughs> you played on that. Yeah, I played that. I, I was three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but boy, could I play at three. Well, I got to tell you, I, I, I was in awe of the, of the group. I watched, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I left there determined someday to figure this out and get there. Mm. You know, and the wild part of it all, mm. ten years later... I mean, over those years, Aerosmith had their rough years, imploded around 81, right in around then, and the Joe Perry project happened, and I sort of veered off and started listening to that and and working real hard playing playing drums and trying to figure out the business. Wouldn't you know, fast forward 10 years later, these guys would come back in a force like never seen before in in 87, 88, in that period of time, right when Extreme got it together and got a record deal. And uh, I, I knocked on their manager's door, Tim Collins at the time, begging him to take on our band because we had a, a record deal then with AM Records. And I was sitting in his office, and he said, listen, I talked to the record company. I listened to the, the, the first album. I think it's good, uh, but I haven't seen you guys live. And uh, he said, but you know what? He goes, I'm, I'm so busy with Aerosmith, I have no time to really come and see the band. He said, well, wait a minute. He goes, you know, the, have you heard of Guns N' Roses, the new band? Guns? And I, I said, uh, yeah, of course, I have that, that record. It, it's amazing. He said, well, they need a few days off. Maybe I'll just have you guys open for Aerosmith, and then this way I can see you play, and, and it will be out there. And I, I was dying. So he got Tyler on the phone. And he said, hey, man, you know, I'm sitting here with this kid, Paul, and I had the band Extreme and, you know, thinking, you know, and Stephen was like, yeah, I heard of those guys. They're, they're making noise here. And, and uh, I was dying inside. And he, he just said, okay, let's do it. He hung up the phone. He gave me, he said, here, call the production managers uh, uh, before and we'll meet you at the Civic Center on Thursday and we'll open for the band. And, I lost my mind. I, le- I left the room. Now, I had a jalopy car parked a few miles away at a <laughs> meter, and there was no cell phones or anything back there, so I, was, I forgot about the car and just <laughs> ran blocks and blocks to find a payphone to call Gary Sharon to tell him that we were going to be open for, for, for Aerosmith. And I, f- I finally got him there on the phone, and you know, we all lost our minds, and we showed up back there, and I met Joe and those guys for the first time at the, at the Civic Center. And here, you know, we, so we began to play, and it was a full house. So these guys were on fire. We were popular there because we were a local band. And I'm looking out there where I had been sitting as a kid 10 years before, <laughs> uh-huh. staring at this as the first show ever. And now who would have ever known the first show we would ever open on a large scale would be Aerosmith. What are the odds of that? That's yeah, amazing. You know? Rock and roll dreams right there. That's incredible. And now you manage Joe Perry, which is just unbelievable. Um, Joe, let's talk about this. This is Switzerland Manifesto. This is the new record or latest record. You've got, I had you on talking about this when it first came out, but you're, you're getting a re-release coming, right, with a, a vinyl version with some extra tracks. I know you, you, Speaking of Cheap Trick, which you mentioned earlier, Robin Zander's on here as a guest vocalist. You, I know Gary Sharon has been playing live. Speaking of Gary, is in your live band. Yeah. Tell, tell us yeah. about what's yeah. coming with this record because you've got. You said you've got vinyl coming with more songs. Well, we we got this one up, um, up to the point where it was ready to go. But there were still some other other songs in the pipeline and some that hadn't hadn't really gelled yet. But um, it just worked out that that I really wanted to get this one done. Uh, the way that everything kind of fell together. I mean, it was 
meant to be an instrumental record, and and then these guys kept showing up at the door. I mean, it was like Jack Douglas was a really big help with that, and and going because he was he was hearing some of the stuff, and he was going, you know, yeah, it's it's. What about if we bring David Johansson in? And it was like, fuck yes, I haven't seen David in so long, and you know, just just to hear, just to work with him and see what he thinks of it, and. And we started filling in all these songs with vocalists, and I'm going, well, there goes my instrumental record, but holy shit, the stuff these guys are singing to this to these songs was like, you know, I couldn't ask for more. I mean, uh, the fact that uh, Terry Reed sang on it, because uh, uh, this goes back a ways, you know, but Terry Reed was, you know, his first record was called Super Lungs, and Led Zeppelin wanted him to be in yeah. the band. Yeah before Robert um, and uh, this guy I don't think he really uh, pe- people really knew who he was in, in this country back in the, in the late 60s and 70s and uh, so when I heard his name and I said wow is he still around doing doing what he's doing and, and sure enough he lives in Palm Springs he came in and spent I don't know a couple of weeks and sang on four songs he's brilliant I love that guy yeah. and uh, he, he, he's man I, it's unbelievable because he's got the pipes still and a lot of these songs the way that I wrote them and arranged them were like kind of a tip of the hat to Jimmy Page's production skills and you know it's kind of like uh, kind of he I don't know I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for being a producer and for being a songwriter because of the way he assembled he assembled those the music of You're the talking Zeppelin about Jimmy records. Page right Jimmy Page right. and so a, a few of the songs on here are basically kind of a dedication to to what I learned from Jimmy so to have Terry Reed sing on these songs was kind of like a I it couldn't get any better than that to me it's, to go like yeah. thank you Jimmy Page you're a fucking genius and thank you and this is this is this is this what have you wrought and here it is so anyway to get to get Terry on there to sing on it it just worked out so um, if you notice any any similarities between a couple of the songs and uh, and maybe a Zeppelin song <laughs> I would be very uh, flattered to hear that so I think there's a lot of bands that you hear similarities between <laughs> them and Zeppelin songs anybody heard Greta Van Fleet lately or <laughs> yeah well it's, a, it's a more than just sounding like them it's the attitude and it's the 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 thing that uh, I think that uh, there's a quote from one of the cats in Deep Purple that said, "Zeppelin taught us how to be heavy without being loud," and that that's the key to me. It's not about being being loud and being fast. It's about writing music that's heavy, you know, like just the way Mozart. Some of his music was heavy, but it's not about volume. It's not about you know, uh, uh, you know, ear splitting, or it's about like the the way you construct the music so that the the changes come in and they just blow you away. They're just so dynamic, and that's what I tried to bring a, a taste of that to some of these songs. When was the first time you saw Zeppelin, Joe? Oh God, I think, remember. I think really the first uh, first time I saw them live was when they were doing a five. A five gig run at Madison Square Garden. They sold out all five nights in a row. They were playing f- four hour sets. Wow! You know, from beginning was, to end, they were like everybody was doing like a twenty minute solo. <laughs> was uh, that during the song "Remains the Same" era? Uh, you know what? 
I, I couldn't tell you. It was probably like in the in the mid seventies. So you so Aerosmith So your band Aerosmith was up and running at that point. It was oh yeah. you your own thing. I mean, so, we yeah. had our own. You know, we yeah. were we were alongside. You know, but uh, but Zeppelin was still. You know, <laughs> they, they 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 were the gold standard. You know, yeah. uh, you've done some live shows with your own band. Talk about that a little bit. I, you've got Gary Sharon singing. You're doing yeah. a little bit of everything in your catalog. You're doing some really cool, like, d- deep Aerosmith tracks, which I think is amazing. You're doing some project stuff. You're doing stuff from the new record. How's that been for you? Has it been fun? It's been a lot of fun because there are some songs that that I, I wrote for the solo records um, over the years that I've never gotten a chance to play um, for different reasons, uh, for the few times I've had a band to actually play them, but this band that I, that, that I finally got together with, which includes Gary, Gary on vocals, and Brad Whitford on guitar. I want to ask and, you about that you know, in a second because I think that's incredibly. It's cool. like it's like the, the the band that I could, if I was to sit back and go, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, you know, in a dream world, and and to play, help me, help me put these songs across. Because every song I write is like, I'm thinking about, you know, how's this going to go down live? You know, not how it's going to sound on the radio, not how it's going to do this or that. It's, it's, it's got to be a great song live. I want people to hear these songs and maybe never he- heard them before, but walk away going, wow, I really like that one, you know, and like the way it was in 1968. So um, I hope I achieved that on a couple of the tunes. But then there are five more songs that aren't on this that are going to be on the vinyl, uh, and hopefully the vinyl will be out in the next uh, next few months that will include those songs. And some of those, I think, are the, are the heaviest ones, one of which is the one that Paul played on after 20 years of not touching the sticks. He got we, you we, back we, behind we, the kit, Paul? You know, we, we shamed him into getting on the drum throne. And, yeah, well, you know. it, it was actually so fun. I mean, I came down there, and, and uh, but just to see him about our business... And he was like, hey, uh, you think you could, uh, you, you know how he got me? He was like, well, all I need you to do really is hit a couple of cymbals on these parts. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I went, he goes, well, while you're doing it, if you hit the snare here, and let the, <laughs> before you know it. Your, your foot's not doing anything, so might as well use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got him in there. I mean, we had to massage it a little bit, you know, but, but, uh, but you know, it was... Uh, it, it the kind of the kind of song it is. It's like it's it's pretty straight ahead. So, uh, but it was great watching him get get in there. And man, it's like you know there are certain things about it. It's like riding a bike. You know the basic stuff you never lose. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. You know? Let me ask you this: You mentioned this before that that Brad Whitford is your guitar player when you go out with the solo shows as well. Now here's a guy that you spent your entire life with, sharing the guitar duties in Aerosmith. And here you are going out and doing your own thing with your solo band, which you could have, let's be honest, you could have had any guitar player on the planet join you on that stage pretty much that would love to be up there. But you went with the guy that you've been playing with for nearly 50 years. Talk about that decision. I thought that was incredibly cool. And I mean, it speaks volumes about how you feel about Brad, obviously. Well, there's a thing that Brad and I have that that, um, just came along naturally. and, And it was obviously one of the things... Again, looking back, that I didn't know anything about that, you know, uh, synchronicity or the metaphysical part of it or 
the stars lining up, whatever, but the fact that we got together and he had a, a different outlook on the way to play guitar and he picked up on the way I did and just right even down to the way we um, picked what, what instrument we were going to play, whether he's going to play like a Les Paul or I'd play a Strat or that kind of thing. And um, and that, that we've got this kind of mind-reading thing going on and... Um, he knows me so well. He knows knows when I'm going to fuck up, and he knows when he needs to, needs to fill in. and And I know he's got my back, and I know, you know, where he can, he's going to be. And and it's like um, the two of us. Uh, and that you can't, you can't just uh, you can't put that in a bottle, man. That's that only comes with time, and playing, and you know, pounding the boards together, and. I wouldn't want anybody else on the stage with me to to put these songs across because he understands what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get across. That, that's about as simple as I can put it. It's it's got nothing to do with like anything else than just having a, that kind of teamwork thing, you know. And I know know where he comes from as a guitar player and how, and how we think about music and that it's it's as simple as that. I mean, I I know that I can play him a song and he'll have something to play that will accent it, you know, once or twice through. And that's just, that's it, you know. Every guitar player that I've ever spoken to, you, you know, let's be honest, in Aerosmith, the focal point of the band, the press, the, uh, the magazine covers is Joe and Steven. Every band is built around those two big personalities, those two big images, most of them are at least. But everyone I've talked to has always said to me, but the, the secret weapon in the band is Brad Whitford in, in terms of being a very underrated guitar player. He flies under the radar, but he's so important to the sound and what that band, what your, what your band does. You agree with that, Joe? No doubt. I mean, there are, there are uncountable songs, at least in our, in our catalog, where um, I'll just have to say, you know, this was this is Brad's, you know, and and you know, he'll take the whole thing and 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 he'll be playing lead on it. That's why the the demarcation between the lead guitar player and that, all that. I think there's a bunch of bullshit, you know. I mean, I I do things in the band that may not even be related to the guitar, but the the force and dealing with Steven and the songwriting. But you know, Steve, Brad is is like he's we're right up there you know toe to toe doing the doing what needs to be done to get these songs across you know um it's apparent on the first two records uh to me right up to the to the to the latest stuff we've written which hasn't been for, for a while but i think that um if you were to listen to some of the live tracks from the last time we we played together you know like uh we played in tokyo to I don't know, seventy thousand people or whatever, and uh, and you can hear the the interplay between the two guitars. And we didn't plan that shit, you know. And it, that's why, that's why you know Brad's my choice, and you know I'm just glad to have him there. Let's go to a break right now. We're going to come back, Joe Perry. You have, a, I believe, I was told you have a signature guitar or something coming out that we want to talk about and mention. And also, Joe has live dates with the band, with Brad, and with Gary Sharon that are coming up. We want to get those dates out to everybody. And the record he's been talking about is out now called Switzerland Manifesto. And eventually there will be a live uh, a, um, a vinyl version with extra tracks on it also. More to cover. And, of course, talking about Aerosmith, 
the Vegas residency is coming up, which I'm so excited about. See if we can find out about that. And maybe if we have time, maybe a couple questions from the audience. I mean, I could go all night here talking uh, Aerosmith and Joe Perry. My gosh, it's uh, the, the amount of amazing music, music and moments has just been incredible. We'll come right back with more with Joe Perry and guests from the Rainbow in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you guys got a loved one and uh, they've got leg or foot cramps, well, even if you've had them yourself, you know how painful disruptive they can be muscle cramps they can jolt you out of a sound sleep it's happened to me they can interrupt your daily life listen carefully because i recently learned about theraworks relief it's a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness plus with daily use theraworks relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it really works, which is most important. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief, and many of my colleagues on radio, they're also talking about TheraWorks Relief as well. Now the holiday season, it's around the corner, so if you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness, can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It is the choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it your choice. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. Hey guys, it's Jack Manning from The Lady Gang, and I'm sitting here with true crime TV producer and my best friend, Alexis Linkletter, and we are so excited that we are finally launching our true crime podcast called The First Degree right here on Podcast One. And each week, we are going to bring you the craziest true crime stories and talk to the people who are one degree away from each of these crazy events. And we've dragged crime journalist Billy Jensen along for the ride, and he can't get rid of us. Join us on The First Degree every Wednesday on podcast1.com and the PC1 app. Also remember to rate and review. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. For instance, a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car, well, that'll improve your gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back to more with Joe Perry, John Five, and the rest of the gang live from the Rainbow in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. 
Go to JillPerry.com for more information. And uh, there's VIP packages and all sorts of good stuff there as well for you to check out. Again, JillPerry.com, Brad Whitford, Gary Sharon. Who else is in the band besides uh, Brad and Gary, Joe? Well, we got Chris Wise on bass, who's phenomenal. And with the vampires now. He's been playing with the vampires. And then, um, let's see, we got... um, We got Jason Sutter on drums. Jason Sutter, who's oh. a fucking oh, motherfucker, awesome. yeah. man. I mean, he's a, he's a motherfucker. He's great. And then and then Buck, uh, Buck Johnson, who's uh, the keyboard player for Aerosmith, and yeah. and also he's been playing with the Vampires. So I mean, he's he's really the anyway. He's great. And yeah. and in fact, he's such a great uh, Hammond player that I went out and I bought an antique. Him and B3, so we didn't have to rely on a rental because you never know when you get a rental. So I figured let's just buy the best B3 we can get from 1968, get it in a road box and make it work. So I know we always get that sound because nothing sounds like a, like an old B3. Maybe the heaviest you know? piece of gear ever invented. <laughs> every 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 guy on the road crew goes, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like moving a car. <laughs> can I just say something real quick about Buck Johnson and, and Aerosmith? And I I give you guys credit for this all the time, and I think it's among the amazingly numerous cool things about Aerosmith. So much respect for this. One of my biggest peeves as a rock fan these days is that I see a lot of bands out there using a lot of electronics when they play live, running a lot of tracks, things not being real, and it makes me nuts. When you go see Aerosmith, you guys don't hide Buck. He's there. Steven introduces him, helping us out on keyboards and backing vocals. It's a human being. It's live. It's real. I think that is so damn cool because you guys could easily do what a lot of other bands do and, and load up some tracks and whatever. But you keep it real and to the point that you, when you need a little help, you got a guy out there that you bring. I think that is so cool, and I applaud you for it, man, because that's rock and roll. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks. Hey, you know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, I mean, when the fans are in the audience and and. You know, most of the time, it, what do you want? Something? What do you want? Uh, yeah, they just brought Joe hey, a drink, and yeah, yeah, they just Marco, whiffed everybody right by needs John. Fun, <laughs> no, they just, no, no. You know, you know John, John Fives used to Come play on. big gigs with Rob Zombie. Here, yeah. you're next to Joe Perry, yeah, pal. Yeah, you're yeah, invisible. Yeah, yeah. They walk right, right by, by me. And, uh, break out the number seven, man. <laughs> um, but that decision, even yeah. even before Buck Johnson, you had a guy, you had Russ Irwin, I remember. You've had guys in there doing that. I just, you know, to just say we want, we need an extra voice or whatever, is no, and you introduce them you don't hide them under the stage you don't put a curtain around them it's awesome well, it's it's on the records you know what i mean it's like you want to bring it as, as close as you can to to what what people are used to hearing and, and you know um that's why we go through we jump through hoops and we don't we don't play through like uh guitar simulators i mean that's why i i after every record i, I try to go out there and play the same guitars that I recorded with, yep. same amps that I recorded with, just to, to bring it, to make it real. And, and, it, and that's why, I mean, I struggle all the time with, with old-timey amps and all that shit. And it's, it's, frankly, it's a pain in the ass, but, you know, I couldn't do it any other way. That's why I don't wear those ear things that guys wear. I don't either. Or yeah. fucking uh, <laughs> any of that shit, you know. I mean, I, I want to hear the audience, man. I want to hear fucking... 
I want to hear the real thing. I mean, I spent all this time trying to get good, get a band that's good. What do I want to do? Stuff my ears full of cotton and fucking, you know, let somebody else tell me what it should sound like? I don't want that. I want to hear what the fans have to say. And the only way to do that is to keep that crap out of my ears, you know? I'll be deaf when I'm 75. I'm deaf now. I was going to say, how are you now? That's why I'm okay, man. You know, I can can still hear the birds chirping, you know? Um, For different reasons, but um, <laughs> uh, but the uh, the thing is, it's like it, it's all about being real, and that's why I'm looking forward to this Vegas thing because you know uh, it's 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 tough to bring a whole the whole thing out on the road, you know. And what I'm looking forward to, aside from the being able to be in one place and really get the sound right and all that. Is um, you know we want to bring a, we want to have a horn section oh, we want to have some background singers we want to have like a string section a small string section for the for the ballads so that it sounds as real and as as close to what we envision those songs to be when we recorded them as we can make it and that to me is what doing this Vegas thing is all about so you know it, it's. There'll be other stuff, there'll be content, there'll be, you know, um, stuff about the band and the history of the band. I mean, we're kind of celebrating 50 years of being Aerosmith, but, you know, the main thing is is letting the fans hear what the, what these songs sounded like to us in the studio. And that's why I want to have, like, a horn section with a fucking, a real fucking sax player you know, a, a bass sax player and, you know, like a horn section, get the get the, uh, the the background singers to help with that. I mean, we used all that. Even the first record, we had a, we had sax players, you know, and, and all that shit. And it's like, it's all part of it. It's all rock and roll, man. And it's like, we're not, we're not going to, I mean, I don't mind dancing girls, but not on my stage. <laughs> or not on my side. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. That's a great point about Aerosmith. I mean, to me, one of the great underrated live records of all time is Live Bootleg. Because we found out over the years that all these great 70s live records that we loved really were not live. So live yeah. They're all doctored creations. But you listen to Live Bootleg today, it yeah. is live That's warts raw. and all. And it puts you in that arena with the M80s going off and everything above you. But there's even the recording of, um, what is it, Mother Popcorn in that jam that's in there. And you bring someone up to blow sax in that. And you, you were doing that back then, man. It's unbelievable. It's uh, it, it's bad, and of course, I always think a Lord of the Thighs mm-hmm. when the M eighty goes off just before the thing. Because what was that about in the seventies? People throwing firecrackers, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I'll tell you, there was um, there was a time there when people. I, I I kind of figured it was like people just want to get a reaction from people right. on stage. I then kind of figured out that's that's what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Somebody, Even though it drew blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, Somebody threw a syringe oh. on stage when we were playing. Oh, man. With like, what band? <laughs> Manson? Yeah. <laughs> so a syringe. I was like, what? You know, what are you throwing a syringe? I'm yeah. sure it didn't fall out of Manson's no, uh, jacket no. or anything. I was like, you know, why would you throw that? You know, it's like. Crazy, Joe. What's the craziest thing was you it saw? Full or not? I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what's the cr- what's the craziest thing you saw thrown up on stage in your in all your years? Uh, a wooden leg. 
<laughs> yeah. Just a random wooden leg. Yeah, yeah somebody Aren't threw their leg that? up there. And you know why? Because the guy wanted to come back and meet us. And he said, come on, I threw my leg up there. I want to get it back. Well, and so he got to meet the band. It worked. You know? It worked. It did. <laughs> you know? It was well, well thought out, you know, a little, little ploy. But, you know, that, that, that incident in, incident in, um, in Philly when they threw, threw the fireworks up there, we just didn't understand it. I mean, you yeah. potentially blowing people up, and, and as it happened, it, it, it stopped the show. And uh, so, but I'll tell you, the worst part was when we went, got to England during the punk thing, uh-huh. and they were the, the I know spitting. You can say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the spitting was like South America, disgusting man. Yeah, in South yeah. America, it's horrible. It's like you know they they thought it was something from the Ramones because Ramones would go down there. So when you're on stage, they think it's cool. They spit in their hand, then they throw it up on the big stages, man. It was gross. And they save it up. Yeah, exactly. Save it up and get a big get a good, one. Good one. <laughs> I remember that was horrible, so, man. So in South America, too. Cause yeah, we, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, they don't do it anymore, but they did early. We encountered in, in, uh, in England and, you know, Europe and stuff. I don't think we were down in South America then. You guys went down there, bef- like, yeah. really toured a lot there yeah. before we did. But it was like... Man, I, I hated that. I mean, Stephen, who would go, well, I went all the way out there, and he was <laughs> covered with that shit. And I was like, you know, I, I, I <laughs> we couldn't can hide get back. <laughs> I would get back to my amp and, yeah. you know, stand yeah. right next to us. I didn't want You're that like, crap get on em. me, man. Go get him, Stephen. You know, <laughs> thank, we, we, thank you. We love you. But thank you, you know. Now, Joe, you've got a signature guitar coming out. Tell everybody about this guitar. Was his signature Joe Perry model? What's coming out? Well, it's just really it's another version of a Les Paul. You know, uh, I, I was thinking it was, uh, there's a longer story to it, uh, but I don't want to take up the time now. Bottom line is it's, uh, it's, it's got one pickup. It's got some, some stuff on it that, that, uh, that I would have always dreamt about having on a, on a, on a Les Paul. And it's, uh, um, I guess the biggest thing about it is it's got the finish of that, uh, the famous 54, Gold top that, oh. that uh, Muddy Waters played. Mm. So that's the that's the to me that's the thing that that really that, that that hooks it in. There you know there are a lot of other things. Other guys have done guitars with one pickup. I got a vibrato, a Wilkinson vibrato arm and all that stuff on it. But uh, it should be out. There'll be we're just making a few of them right now. It's just uh, but anyway in in uh, in uh, next to next to the the fundraising for a, a, a cancer. Uh, foundation it's uh it pales so anyway thanks for bringing that up but, yeah well, of course how many guitars do you have uh what in in lo- in your in your collection car? right now in your car in your collection <laughs> in your car in your car but you might not want to say that they could disappear but in your co- in your in your collection of total yeah, what's your total know. marco how many you got marco how many guitars? Uh, marco. what do you say this what is what's that? Between four and five hundred. Wow. I'm ashamed to even hear that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Hey Marco, are they all in the car? Uh, they're uh, in various parts of the planet. Various parts of the planet. Yeah. All right. What was the first guitar? What was your first? Well, it was a Silvertone that uh, you ordered through the the uh, Sears catalog. And uh, it was like the, the, the so-called student guitar, um, acoustic. I think it was twelve dollars and ninety-five cents, <laughs> complete with complete with the little uh, 
multicolored rope um, uh, strap and uh, strings that weighed about 40 pounds. And, uh, you know, everything about it, you know, was like a a turn-off to playing guitar because, yeah. I mean, you touch it yeah, and hurt, yeah. you hurt your fingers, you yeah, know. and you're you a know, kid and you're like, jeez. You know, this, this is... But anyway, it was uh, enough to get the... Uh, you know, could stand there and kind of like bang out a few chords, but uh, that was that was the first one I had. Yeah. And what's the of of the four or five hundred? What's the most rare or expensive one? Do you know? Well, there are some some collectors ones that, that you know, like because that now they're like they've moved on to that next level where uh, there's only so many of them, uh, like the Les Pauls and all that stuff, but. My favorite one that I play all the time is just a, it's kind of a mongrel that, that I put together in 2000. And uh, it's, uh, it's just uh, bits and pieces. It's really, a, it's like a warm-mouth neck. It's a fender body. It's, uh, it's a left-handed Stratocaster, basically, that I play right-handed. And it's, uh, everything about it shouldn't be. But it is. So anyway, that's my favorite guitar. So that's it. All right, we got about five minutes left. Gilby and John have been sitting here. I want either of you guys want anything you want to hit Joe with before we have to wrap up. Uh, I, I actually want to know about the David Johansson playing on the record. How great was that? Well, it was it was really amazing. Uh, David and I were got to be really good friends when um, when the Dolls. And Aerosmith got signed to the same yeah. management. That was going to be my next question. In 1972 you know or 73. Yeah. I mean, we were doing our um, our sound check at Max's Kansas City oh, for yeah. the for one of those you know showcase gigs. Yeah. And these cats come walking in, <laughs> call, uh, high dolls heels, and... looking just like they look. You yeah. know, with the, with the spandex and the hair and all mm-hmm. that shit. And it was like, you know. We could, they, you could tell they were the Boston. Uh, we were the Boston Cats. They, they were, were the, the New, New York, York Cats. Yeah. Yeah. But there was like kind of that thing there, yeah. and we're checking each other out, like, mm-hmm. like you know, a couple of alpha dogs, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of Measuring thing. Measuring up. And um, so they came to see us play, and then we went down to uh, the Mercer Art Center and watched oh, them play. Oh wow! And I'll tell you, they were fucking great. That, yeah. that I mean, they had. They had that New York audience in the palm of their hand, yeah. and everything they wrote about them, you could go, yeah, you know what? Maybe they are the next Rolling Stones. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't hear it in the in the music, but the energy and the vibe and the 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 whole attitude was so powerful. Yeah, they really they were great, and I, yeah. they were they were a fantastic band. And uh, but anyway, David and I got to be good friends, and he 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 would come up to my house and we'd hang out. And in fact, I wrote some songs with them back then, um, and they exist somewhere on some kind of tape somewhere. Yeah. But uh, we've been friends over the years, and when Jack said, come on by and, and uh, you know, or think about having David come up, and he came up, I played him some of these tunes, and he started writing shit, and, and there's, some, there's some pretty powerful yeah, it's stuff Yeah, it's a great song. Him, yeah, you know? it came out where And some of the... Some of the, I think there's one or two that aren't on this mm-hmm. that that are going to be on the vinyl, and I'm just really happy we got a chance to play together again. Yeah. You know, John, That's jump awesome. jump in if you got one for Joe before it ends. Your first real professional real guitar, what was that? Was it a Strat? Was it a Les Paul? Well, um, I always liked the 335 shape, 
And at that point, in 1967, 68, um, I didn't have the bread for a for, a, for like a full blown off the wall. Um, uh, 335, and so I got a guild, yeah, which was the uh, guild star, Sapphire 4 with yeah. the uh, mini humbuckers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, and it's, it's a beautiful guitar, well made. And um, I've got I've got another one, um, but you know, and it sounds pretty good, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, uh, but again, it didn't have the cachet of having Gibson on yeah, it, you right? Know? Right, right. But uh, I mean, guild was known for their acoustic guitars yeah, back then. Sure. But um, uh, that was my first real electric guitar, and then I traded that in on a reissue 68. There you go. Uh, Gibson, <laughs> Les Paul. All right, I'm awesome. not a guitar player, so I don't have a guitar question, but we've got two <laughs> minutes left. And as, a, as an Aerosmith freak, I've got to ask you this. Shows next year, I'm told Steven Tyler now is living in L.A., like a stone's throw from where we are right now. Any chance that you guys do new music, a song, an EP, an album? Would you like to do new music with Aerosmith? Well, you know, we've written a lot of songs together over the years. Um, we've been in the room. The two of us pounded it out. Uh, we've brought other people in to, to kind of spike the spike the punch, so to speak. Um, and you know, I'm starting to look at the look at each generation that comes up and the songs they're interested in and. There's, there are people that, that really might not even be aware of the songs we did in the 70s. And so there are some some songs from from that era that if we went out to play them, it would be like hearing a new song. So, Oh, I got plenty you know, of requests if we're going into that era. So <laughs> oh, yeah. That said... I got a set list in me. Yeah. Well, that said, I'm kind of like, you know, uh, if, if it works out that, that we can work on some new stuff, that would be great. But, but right now we're like... Um, looking at, at, at pulling some of those old gems, some of those old album cuts, bringing them up and actually playing them the way that they should be played, like a song like Pandora's Box, which I do play in the in the solo uh, tour. Uh, stuff that, that has horns on it, that has background singers, uh, Walking in the Sands, those kind of songs that would probably haven't played live in, in 30 years. And so um, I'm, not, I'm not like going crazy wanting to write more songs if it happens it happens but i think we did some some <laughs> great stuff that's just been kind of still living <laughs> yeah, that's at least pretty good catalog lord of the thighs anybody licking <laughs> yeah. uh, a promise yeah. i'm all about yeah. it well my thanks to joe perry my co-host john five and also in that show whether you heard him or not paul geary dropped by and wendy dio dropped by gilby clark was a big part of the show again i could only couldn't bring you the entire thing here on the podcast in one episode but you got the nuts and bolts of it and hope you guys enjoyed it and huge thanks to joe perry one of my favorites one of the true icons for coming by and joining me from the rainbow in la and thanks to all the studio audience that came down and hung out the next rainbow broadcast tentatively scheduled for November 28th, if you want to mark that in your, on your calendars, if you are in Southern California. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I'll see you guys next week for another all-new episode, always free, podcastone.com or iTunes. See you then.
you want to be a social media star? Do you want to get verified? Do you want to make content and make money doing it? Well, I can help you get started. My name is Meredith Rojas, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Digitor. We're the largest producers of live events featuring social media stars. And I also wrote a book called Selfie Made. Selfie Made Podcast is going to give you all the tips and tricks you need to take your social media career all the way. My co-host Mads Lewis and I are going to give you great information every week. So listen free to Selfie Made, exclusively available on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend, post on Instagram, tell the world, and leave us a rating and a review. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. 